Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. So as we always do, uh, of a Monday we have someone in to look at some of the stories from the weekend. In this case, it's Senator Tom Cronin. Tom, good afternoon to you. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad and Happy New Year to you. And, we, and to uh, you, thanks very much. Each other. Uh, I don't know what the cut-off date for saying Happy New Year, but I suppose if you haven't seen someone since last year, it could be yeah. July. Paddy's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paddy's Day. Uh, now, your first story, I'm, I don't know, I, I suppose it's hard to avoid the Harry and Meghan thing, but is it, is it yeah. significant? Well, uh, I have to say now, straight out, I have to put my cards on the table and declare my bias here. I'm very much a, a supporter of Meghan Markle and less so Harry, but I'm on her side. Um, I think the royal family and with respect to my, my all my friends from the UK, it, it's such a dysfunctional institution. It's one that celebrates inequality. Mm. And I think the reaction to Meghan Markle, in, particularly in UK media, is just replete with misogyny, racism, uh, contempt for an assertive young woman who is yeah, obviously a product of Hollywood and all that brings, but she's an assertive, talented young woman. I'd prefer to live in a world where women like Meghan Markle fully self-actualise in the way that they do than to live in, you know, a monarchy where, you know, your position and your status is based on you know, inheritance and, and birthright. Mm. It's just bonkers. And with the whole... It just keeps striking me that this just underlines the, the entire idea of having a monarchy in the 21st century is is completely bonkers. Or that people would get exercised about who offended who or who said what to who is completely bonkers because these people are irrelevant to anyone's lives other than the British taxpayer who fund them. Yeah, and Britain is a is a multiracial society. It's it's a cosmopolitan society. And and unfortunately, I've, I've spent years and years and years travelling through the UK. I've had the privilege to go off the main motorways and, and work in different parts of the UK. There's huge inequality in Britain mm. and, and awful poverty. I mean, you know, really would 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 make you stop and think, you know, there are parts of Britain that, you know, really have 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 had decades and decades of, of poverty and disadvantage and how they tolerate um uh, an institution like the royal family, which, you know, is at their expense, which is about, you know, defending people like Prince Andrew and others. It just, I, I, I can't, I, I think there's a huge emotional uh, attachment mm, to the yeah. idea and it's part of Britain Incorporated. But, you know, Meghan Markle's arrival on the scene was such uh, an opportunity. I, and I don't mean to be uh, so cynical about it, but you know, for them to appear somewhat relevant. But, yes. But yeah. they absolutely rejected her uh, from from the start. Like she, you know, it's this is the, the, the heart of, of the worst aspects of the British establishment articulating itself through people like Pierce Morgan and Jeremy Clarkson and others. It's it's really, it's sad. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll uh, you know, I don't know what the future holds for the relationship, you know, um, but look, uh, uh, he's making out they'll, they'll make or Harry's making out they'll make up but you can't really see that happen yeah he's he's had a few missteps I mean I know uh, before we came in here we are talking about his quantifying the number of people he killed in mm. Afghanistan and you know that that was a really odd moment I thought now I don't know the context the full context in which you, in which he says this but that's a real that that was really crass yeah it was 25 and apparently there it was a leaked segment from the book and he you know, like he's not going you know yippee ki I did this kind of yeah. thing but he's saying you know if you're 
people would wonder, and my number is 25. Yeah. And, uh, but he says, he, you know, he was, they were terrible people. And there was actually an interesting piece in, in uh, The Guardian today from another guy who's a veteran who would have served a, a similar kind of, uh, for similar periods in Afghanistan as well, except, you know, Harry, it says, he heard about 9-11 when he was in Eton. Uh, and the guy who wrote the article today in The Guardian says that uh, he heard about 9-11 when he was laying a carpet in uh, in some town in, in, in the north of England. Um, but he, but the point Harry seemed to be making is that they, they are trained by the military to just other people that they kill. Like, in Harry's mind still, they are not really fully rounded human beings. Yeah, it's like, so there's operant conditioning used yeah. to, to reinforce the... It, it, it's supposed to be an automatic impulse to... To, to discharge your weapon and he he, he was a gunner in a, in a helicopter firing a .5 machine gun at a distance and I know that they they, they had uh, cameras to record their actions and they'd have after actions debrief where they would quantify or attempt to quantify the casualties on the other side but to to speak about it in that way you know that my number is 25 it just seems so flippant and disrespectful and also i suppose you know places him and his family at risk in that he's mm. identified himself as as a target you know um but you know i've I, I, as a veteran um i've only spoken to one fellow irish soldier who who was involved in a killing um on on an overseas mission and we had a conversation about that. And what struck me about that conversation to this day is, you know, he went through the the sequence of events that led to the killing. And to me, he seemed to be just reaffirming in his own mind that the justification was there and that he had absolutely no choice yeah. in that moment. And uh, it was such an intimate conversation. Um, and... Just in the con to contrast that with what what Harry said, and and another thing, uh, when I when I reflect on my own military service, um, I was I was walking in Dunleary there over the Christmas New Year period, and the the uh, the Samuel Beckett, the Le Samuel Beckett was was birthed at Dunleary, and I actually met one of my old classmates, Tony Garrity. He won't mind me mentioning his name, who's still serving in the naval as uh, Navy's naval officer. And I was teasing him. I said, "Did you park your ship there?" Yeah. And he said, "No, no." He said, "I'm I'm I'm actually down visiting my in-laws." But he said, "I was on that ship, Tom." And he said, "We were down in the Mediterranean," and he said, "We saved one thousand two hundred people, men, women, and wow. children. We pulled them out of the Mediterranean." Uh, and Tony Garrity looked at me and he said. Think about that, Tom. 1,200 souls crossed the deck of, of the Samuel Beckett. And it actually made me look at the, that naval vessel in a completely different light. And I suppose the fact that he saved lives, and I know that all of us who engaged in peacekeeping and peace enforcement, yeah, yeah. whether it be in Chad or in Eritrea or whatever, it was all about trying to preserve life. So to kind of celebrate, not, not so much celebrate, but to be flippant about the, uh, you know, Using lethal force is just. I just thought it was a bum note. He mm. didn't do himself any 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 favors there. But again, I don't know the the full context of it, and I know that culturally, in the United States, they're more concerned with the quanti- quantitative elements of their service. You know, number counting has been a feature since Vietnam. You know, how many kills, confirmed kills, and so on. Uh, and you had movies like that awful American Sniper yeah, thing, where, yeah. and actually, you know, when you watch that movie as as a you know, I, I ruin war films for all the family because they all look that's such and such or that didn't happen. But, you know, the, there are actual war crimes depicted in that, you know, the killing of children. Not completely unjustifiable, <laughs> but again, it's kind of part of that machistic macho culture. And I, I don't know, was that 
um, was that quote informed by that culture? I believe the the person who um, you know it's it's published in the United States. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I imagine they're probably just trying to arrest as many juicy details out of them as they possibly can. How long have they been in the headlines for? Yeah, and but it's kind of like, like you know, geez, Taliban, come get me, you know, yeah, or, or my family. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be kind of going there as it were. Yeah. Especially since they don't have any, if they have any uh, security procedures of paying for themselves. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're well endowed and they've plenty of money to do that. But um, I suppose he's in he's in a slightly different category of celebrity in that he is, whether, you know, irrespective of everything I've said about the royal family, like he does have a, a political dimension to him mm. in that he's, a, you know, he's a representative of the head of state, you know, that institution in, in the in the United Kingdom. And they have been active participants in the so-called global war on terror. So, you know, I know that they're very wealthy and they're super wealthy and people have been saying that they're, you know, throwing the rattle out of the pram, giving out about the lack of... But I, I think they're in a slightly different category to other high-profile celebrities in that there is, a, there is a risk to them. Yeah. That possibly, you know, isn't there for other celebrities or people in the public eye. Yeah. Now, in uh, as people know, Ukraine, there was a bit of a break there, or, or at least a proposed break for the uh, for the Orthodox uh, Christmas and New Year. The, the, the stories at the moment, it seems like the same story over and over again, that Russia tries this, doesn't succeed. Russia tries that, doesn't succeed. Like, at this stage, is there some, some sort of face-saving, even partial face-saving, uh, face-saving way that Russia could withdraw from this? Uh, it's Well, what's happening is unsustainable. On both sides. And mm. this conflict has to come to an end at some point. And my fear would be that before that happens, there is the risk of escalation. Um, so I, I've been writing about the conflict all year. And, you know, I did a review for the Journal of, of 2022 and predictions for 23. And, you know, there's three phases to that war. The initial strike at Kiev failed completely. And what should have been a three-day conflict has we're now in, I think, about 330 days mm. as we speak. So that that's an epic fail. They failed to take the capital. They failed to decapitate the regime. And they failed to, to defeat the Ukrainian military in the field. And that was somewhat unexpected um, because there was a fear at the beginning of this conflict that this is the Red Army. You know, this is like the former Soviet Union. The Russians are all powerful. And if you recall, Sean, at the beginning of the conflict, countries like Finland... Uh, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania were worried that the Russians might appear yeah. on their borders. But we now know that they couldn't even get from Belarus to Kiev. They had a 62 kilometre column of armour that just was halted, ambushed and, and attacked it piecemeal, destroyed, forced to withdraw. The Ukrainians beat them in a, in a I hate to use that word, they defeated them in a route uh, southeast of Kharkiv. Um, and then took Kherson. Two different operations. One was surprise, lightning attack. The other, the attack on Kherson is very significant because that was a heavily defended. Um, the Russians were well dug in in Kherson, the only provincial capital that they had taken, and they were forced out. So the Russians now know that if the Ukrainians so wanted, that they can defeat them in the field, infantry, armour, cavalry, and in every sphere, artillery. So the attacks on Ukraine that we've seen, the stepping up of these uh, air and so-called mis- so-called missile attacks, they're using these Iranian Shahid drones. They're like flying lawnmowers, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like piston-engined, um, they're 50 grand a pop. They're, I mean, this... This is, you know, they're a very blunt and primitive instrument. They're not precision munitions. Now, some of them you can intervene in the last 
part of the trajectory to give them the grid coordinates of, of a target. But really, they're not precision smart munitions. It's, it, they're aimed at critical infrastructure and civilian targets. So this is evidence of a regime that cannot change the facts on the ground. So my prediction for 2023 is the Russians partially mobilised back in October, November, 300,000 people. That hasn't materialised in the field as a credible force. We've seen no change. Mm. So the Russians have, have suffered huge casualties under Putin. Thousands and thousands of young Russian men have, have been slaughtered, as I'm sure is the case with Ukrainians, at the behest of the world's richest oligarchs. So I think, the, you know, as, as the casualties begin to bite into the metropolitan areas of Moscow, St. Petersburg and elsewhere, I think the political will um, will be diluted somewhat. And I just hope the thing comes to a halt. It, Putin has achieved nothing thus far. He, he's slightly expanded his presence in Donetsk and Luhansk and into Zaporizhia where they created that land corridor by, by destroying Mariupol. But the Ukrainians could retake, they could move towards Berdyansk and they've proven that they can do that attritional, incremental, brutal grind at, I'm sure, huge cost themselves, but they've shown the Russian commanders that they can defeat them in the field. Russia's not capable of a winter offensive at the moment. The, just the evidence isn't there. Mm. But the Ukrainians are. Yeah, And, you know, if I were the Russians, if I were the, his general staff, I'd be saying, let's look for a way out and let's regroup, learn the lessons and maybe come again at some future point. But my hope for 2023 is that this conflict comes to an end. Yeah, I, I, you'd wonder, is Putin in a position to to hear a message like that? Well, I mean, if you look at what he did, you know, the force that he assembled, just 150,000 or so to invade a country of 40 million people. I mean, we know from the adventures in Iraq and Afghanistan that you can't invade a country of 40 million people with that number. So his general staff must have been telling him, don't do this. Mm. And then he split that force into three axes of advance. One moving south from Belarus and Russia to Kiev and then one up from Crimea into uh, Zaporizhia and uh, Luhansk, Donetsk and then one across the border. So he split his forces into three. So he, he missed calculated the resolve of NATO. He miscalculated the resolve of the EU. So on every intelligence front, he failed. So he's clearly somebody who's not listening. And if it were a normal, uh, let's say, democracy as we have, um, he'd be gone by now. He would have had to step aside. But it's not a normal situation. And he does have nuclear weapons. So there's always that in the background uh, in terms of what he might do or what he might do next. So my hope is that we can come to some sort of a, a conclusion. And I just, you know, the principal victims in all of this are the Ukrainian people. And we have so many of them here. And, you know, we're, I'm, 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 you know, these are amazing people. Um, But this, this this thing is, it's, it's just unsustainable in terms of casualties. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. Uh, Now, I think you, uh, I believe you had an experience of this. There was a piece in the Irish Times about today. Is there an actual shortage of medicines, Tom? Yes, yeah. Uh, um, so it's reported that there's a, um, on, on two different fronts, there's a, a shortage of analgesics, things like your Dispernextra, your mm. Lemsip uh, and your Neurofenextra and so on. And uh, there's, a, there's a pharmaceutical company, I think it's called Astra, that they, they focus on the supply of uh, off-patent variations of all these medicines. Um, and there appears to be a shortage. Now, I, I did experience this myself on Christmas Day, my, my eldest fella, 
<laughs> here's his medical confidentiality gone out the window. <laughs> but he he got that awful strep A throat, yeah. and so he he had a prescription for amoxicillin. And the only pharmacy I could get in Dublin on Christmas Day, which was a miracle in and of itself, was the the Long Mile Road Pharmacy. Brilliant people, lovely people. Big shout out to the Long Mile Road Pharmacy. They're open on Christmas Day, but um, I couldn't get any analgesia for him. Like, so I couldn't get Dispronextra or, or Lemsip mm. or anything like that. So um, actually we had to give a shout out amongst a couple of friends and neighbours and got, got him sorted. Um, so we were lucky we got the amoxicillin. So there's a, a reported shortage of amoxicillin. Clarithromycin and other um, antibiotics for some of the respiratory and and throat infections. Well, nasty. That's not unconnected to the fact that we're kind of riddled with that kind of thing at the moment as well. I would have thought. Yeah, everyone's yeah. coming down. Like a, I was just saying, um, just coming in here, it just seemed like such a short Christmas because we had Saturday, Sunday, and then the following Saturday and Sunday it was yeah. all over. Like yeah. what what's normally a kind of a two week interregnum was like it just felt like like all my younger kids were back in school last week I was laughing at them going out the door on Thursday like they were in shell shock it was still dark at half eight the moon was still up and they were kind of going why are you doing this to us but it seems but a lot of people were sick this year Uh, and while Mm. we could celebrate a return to normality I think you know I I feel for the people out there who are flattened by various viruses and bugs and things Yeah just as bad Tom lovely to see you again Uh, Senator uh, Tom Clonan there Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.